Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here for part two of the discussion of the defense against the commanders and uh, into some individual discussions in this episode. Joining me to do that is Brandon Croxton. Brandon, how you doing? I'm good, Ken. Always good to talk to you. Yeah, good to talk to you too, my friend. And uh, uh, we had a good part one, talked a lot about the pass rush, some things are going on there, some of the point of entry information and what that might mean. Uh, Brandon had uh, some good Comments about missed tackles and how they might be more likely to occur on players who aren't used to playing defense together, I think are really worth listening to. So if you haven't downloaded that, go go take a download, take a listen to that, make sure you uh, uh, hear the first part of this episode. Uh, but Brandon, let's uh, let's jump right in and talk about some individual players. I'd like to start on the defensive line, but who's a player you want to talk about? Well, um, I think I'd love to start talking about uh, the star, I think, we, we might be watching a star in the making um, with Travis Jones. Um, he was just absolutely unblockable again this week. And it, it's especially impressive considering this was, he played most of the first half and this was against uh, the commanders starting uh, guards and interior linemen. And he just dominated the game. They couldn't block him. Um, I mean, he, he had a sack. It was, you know, this, the sack was, you know, kind of a cleanup sack, but um, he was constantly double teamed. Um, one, one double teamed uh, on on the first and goal. He he get, he was getting double teamed, and he still manages to stop uh, Robinson and knock him, stop him cold for a two yard gain, and um, yeah, really impressive. Like he he drew a uh, he. Drew a holding penalty um, in the you know the set in the next drive, and if if you if you saw that play it, like the, the the guard was holding on for dear life. If this wasn't mm-hmm. you know just a tug of the jersey. This was like I, I'm, I'm wrapping him up and I, there's nothing I can do with this man. And I, you know any, the way he's playing, I, any short arm guard is going to have real trouble stopping him because he, he can, he can out, he, when he stretch, stretches his arm, he just has so much, so much power with, um, with his arms stretched out that he can, 
knock guards back. And if, if, if you have a short arm guard, he's going to have a lot of trouble. Now, not every defensive lineman can do this because it takes an enormous amount of strength in your shoulder and arm. Yeah. But the old thing you tell you on the defensive line is one arm's longer than two, right? Mm-hmm. That, that yeah. you know, if you if you if you hold him off at one arm, he can't really he can't really block you back or or manage your your movement nearly as easily. What I've seen from Travis Jones that I've really loved in this preseason is he seems to be very comfortable going directly in and you, you variety moves. So that's been that's been good as well. He's violent with his hands. But when he goes directly into the opposing guard with his shoulder, that makes his rip move just about unstoppable if he can get his arm underneath the opposing offensive lineman. And to those who don't know what a rip move is, do you want to explain it, Brandon? Yeah, it's basically you get your arm underneath the uh, offensive lineman's arm and you rip up to get the offensive lineman lineman's arms off of you. So yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, it's if you're if, if it's it's one of the things you just can't afford to have happen. You you want to maintain your control. You want to have contact. You want to be physical as an offensive lineman, but you can't afford to have the defensive lineman also get his arms under you, or it's usually that's a that's a chance for a very bad rep um and it it can it can just create a penetration advantage but uh oftentimes it'll mean you know you're off balance as well with your arms up in the air which we've seen from some of the philadelphia linemen i thought in particular last week maybe a little bit less this week but i i brandon jones sorry travis jones looks like he may be really benefiting a lot from uh what chuck smith is bringing yeah absolutely um I mean, he's 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 got so much power and he's he moves really well as well. Um, He's got Mm -hmm. good feet and everything. So, I mean, you know, he he's he's going to be a load. I think him him and uh, him and and uh, the nose tackle Pierce, Mm -hmm. I think playing them at one and three is going to is going to be a real big role. Um, for you know, for run stopping purposes, and then I think if you if you could put him at the one and have Matabiki Matabiki at the three and have them run games, and, and mm-hmm. if Travis Jones is taking on double teams, you're putting Matabiki one on one. You're getting your outside pressures in one on one situations and let them beat. Like he's, I think he's gonna be, he's gonna be a really key cog to um, you know the success of you know, all the pass rushers, if he, if he can keep up the way he's playing so far. Yeah, com- completely agree, by the way, on the 1-3 concept is something I asked uh, Weaver about at camp the last time he was at the podium is, is do, do you envision some of that this year? We saw Michael Pierce and Brandon Williams do it when Michael Pierce first came into the league. And this is a, well, it's, it's Michael Pierce in both cases playing at the nose tackle. So it's Brandon Williams versus Travis Jones playing at the three tech. And Travis Jones is is a more athletic pass rusher than Brandon Williams was. At least that's my take on it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, it certainly gives you much more dynamic hand play and violence there that that's that's uh, uh, you know, potentially very effective. But the other thing you mentioned is is even if you play him at the nose, you can still scheme as McDonald to get him one-on-one matchups by playing other games. So you have um, the three tech crash into the center. So it kind of, it may transfer that double team or at least the attention of that center Mm -hmm. from one to three, from the one to the three. three. And then you get a, 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 
benefit that way. If you've got a double team and Travis Jones is actively trying to get between it, which that was Pernell McPhee's game. He was terrific at that. And then you run any kind of a game through the gap on the other side of, you know, one away from, from where Jones is crashing, then you have a chance to peel a blocker off in that way. And uh, you create a one-on-one matchup where, you know, if you're, if you're diving to the middle of a double team, it's usually a 45 degree angle or can be from two consecutive offensive linemen that is severely disadvantaged for any one of them individually. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, You know, you, you, I'm not saying that he is going to be as good or as, as good as Haloti Nada was as a, in, in his prime, but um, Terrell Suggs always talks about how when he won Defensive Player of the Year, you know, Nada was really the key for him winning the winning the Player of the Year, and it. I, I think Travis Jones can have a similar positive impact with the with these pass rushers being able to, you know, maybe run run games, tackle in games, tackle twists, things like that, but also just you know taking on blockers inside because you know. The offensive lines, you know, work from the inside out. So he can hopefully generate a lot of pressure on the inside and you know, get away in that speed going on the outside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That it definitely a lot of that is driven from the inside. That when the when the Ravens had their big sack year in 2014, so they had that was the year they had 56. Yeah, they had 60 in 2000. Yeah, I may be forgetting. It's 61 year and 56 the other, but it's 2006 and 2014 are the two big sack years the Ravens have had. I think it was 2014 they had 56. And Doomerville and Suggs were getting a lot of the credit for the edge, but Pernell McPhee was the double team master on the inside, and he really drove that pass rush in a lot of ways, as you're describing Nada doing it in 2011 for Suggs. And uh, it, it would it would just be... He is one of the real potential for upside surprise from the Ravens. A lot of the guys, I mean, they have a lot of veteran core players. I don't think we're going to get some enormous upside surprise from Roquan because expectations are so high. I don't think we get it from from Williams because everybody already expects his per-snap productivity to continue from last year to this, which would we can lock up the defensive player of the year trophy right away for him if that happens. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you go through the guys who are really cornerstone players, Marlon Humphrey. I think it'd be very, I think it's much more likely we get a negative surprise due to injury than we get a positive surprise due to him establishing some new level of play. So you really got to find who are those guys who are not making a lot of money, who are, you know, earlier on in their career who, who might step up. And Travis Jones is the guy on this defense. Maybe Hamilton. You yeah, could, Hamilton you could see. Too, I, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah how about, absolutely. how about Owe? As a third, oh, oh, he's some potential too. Yeah, um, you know, you keep hearing good things about him in camp, and you just hope, you know, the pass rush is there, and he finally kind of masters getting off the ball and using all of that athleticism that he has because he, he's so he's such a better athlete than you know every offensive lineman that he'll ever face. But yes. I mean, he's <laughs> more athletic than you know probably 90% of just general outside linebackers with all that speed. So he just needs to figure out how to, how to harness it a little bit. Yeah. All right. I'm going to talk a little bit about a different defensive lineman, Brent Urban, 
played only in the early part of this game. And obviously they, they had some guys sitting. Matabike did not see the field, neither did Pierce. But uh, and neither did Washington, for that matter. So three guys completely sat out of this game. But they did uh, put Brent Urban on the field, who's you know arguably their number five defensive lineman. Is he five or six? Let me think about that for a second, because Pierce is in there for sure as four. I think he's five and Blackson is yeah. six, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what you're yeah, saying. That's what I was, so Urban, yeah. Ur- Urban looked pretty good. He retired after three drives. He was in there making the tackle on the very first three plays of the game. And mm-hmm. that included a really nice takedown of Robinson on an ankle tackle on that third down screen pass where mm-hmm. the ball floated over him and he recovered. And it looked like that was going to be a big play. It looked like there was room in space for Robinson to make 20 yards, you know, potentially. And he took him down by the ankles and it was a first down, but it was only a three yard first down on third and three instead of a 20 yard first down on third and three. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, he, I mean, the very first play, um, they they ran right at him, and he had, the, had held the edge well and tackled him for like a one yard gain. So yeah, Urban looked he he was very good against the run out there. Yeah. I, I have a feeling at some point we're gonna wake up some August and realize Urban isn't the player he once was, but he still is a very effective defensive lineman at denying space. And so I've been enjoying watching him do that and, um, and, and get the job done. I thought he made a really nice play. If you want to look at it, Q2 244, where he did a really nice job of denying two gaps at the same time, even while he wasn't playing straight up against the defender. He was having to kind of crash down to deny space to the inside and still denied the A and B gap at the same time, which was pretty impressive. And then there was a a posse of three different players who came in to shut down the edge together. And of course, like a lot of the football on, on Monday night, two of them missed the tackle and the third one finally cleaned up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's he, through his whole career. He's been a solid run defender mm-hmm. his, in, his entire time. And um, you know, like that skill that he has he can probably keep him in the league another, you know, two, maybe three years. Um, and he's got the height so he can knock down, passes on play actions and things like that but yeah um being able to you know just be a solid run defender it seems like the ravens value that mm-hmm. yeah it's uh it's it's kind of sad that for probably for him that in football the five tech is kind of going away because teams play so much 11 forces the nickel forces you down to two defensive linemen under the most traditional way to respond to it. I know you can play the jumbo nickel and play still three defensive linemen with a nickel and only one inside linebacker. That's not the usual way to do it. Um, So, you know, it's an unfortunate fact of life that not every team wants to run the ball like the Baltimore Ravens used to. And you can play a five tech almost every play against them. Most teams in the NFL, there are more limited opportunities. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, who's your guy? All right, um, Rashad Nichols. Um, he was, uh, I thought he had a pretty active game. Um, he did a nice job at um, flushing out Howell um, on a pass rush and then assisting um, with, the sack, with the sack in the first quarter. Uh, Travis Jones got yeah, the main credit, I think. Uh, yeah. Nichols should be should be lobbying for maybe a half a sack, go to the statistician or something, <laughs> get get him a get him get him a half sack here or there. But yeah, he played well. Um, and like on the uh, the forced fumble, 
Um, he was the first one to kind of rip at the ball of the running back and Ham eventually got it out completely. But, you know, he he's I think he started to pry it. He was working on prying it loose a little bit before uh, Ham finally got it out. So you, you know, he, he he could potentially be, you know, that that seventh, eighth uh, defensive lineman that's, you know, on the practice squad that gets an elevation for an injury here or there or. Um, comes comes through to you know help them in that in that situation. Just be a maybe a solid backup. Yeah. So Nichols still uh, he's a he's a one as opposed to an R, meaning he's been in NFL camp, he's been on NFL practice squad, but he's never accrued a year of service that would start the sand running through the hourglasses. I like to say and and you know reduce his option value, frankly, to the team. And you know you you. You want to have players who have four years of, you know, if it was college, we'd call it eligibility, but if, but four years of team control at the NFL level that, that you still have as, as uh, cheap possibilities and Nichols, uh, yeah, certainly that possibility. I agree with you. He had the, he had the initial pressure on the sack. I thought that was good. Um, he also missed a couple tackles, which was not good, but uh, you know, he was one of many that was in that position in this game. And I, I am having trouble remembering if he, if either of these ended up being a big play. But Q two four forty eight and Q three five twenty three are the two missed tackles I got him for. Um, did do a good job. Uh, had a pressure against Charles that got negated by a defensive pass interference. So that's number seventy seven. The same guy that uh, Jones I think got got two for at least one. Uh, so uh, a, a decent day for Nichols. Um, I, I don't think he moved the needle on moving past either Blackson or Urban in this preseason. I think he's I think he's fairly surely going to be sent to the practice squad and it may mean honestly at this point that he's lost to the Ravens at some juncture because the um replacement level is a is a moving target. It goes down as the season progresses. So your pool of available defensive linemen becomes smaller and smaller. And pretty soon Rashad Nichols, who's at the top of somebody's practice squad, and in fact the Ravens practice squad, which is prime poaching territory. It's like if you, mm-hmm. you want to if you want to go poach elephants, you go to Zambia or you go to you know South Africa, wherever elephants are. But you you, know, you don't uh, uh, you know you don't uh, go to a, a team that's not known for developing defensive alignment or not knowing for coaching them well if you uh, if you want a defensive lineman. Right. Exactly. Yep. All right. Is my turn or yours? You, you did you go with Nichols? Yeah, I went with Nichols. Yep. All right. I, we don't need to talk about every single guy here, but I'm going to talk about Kaim Caesar who came on in the second half and made a little bit of a contribution. And those guys were really, really tired by the end of the game, having you know played all these snaps. We mentioned in the in the First show, 81 to 49 in snaps. That doesn't even really tell the whole story because the drives were chunky. So if they're playing a 15-snap drive, then it's really a lot more compressed, reduced oxygen time for these big mm-hmm. men that, that have a lot of trouble with this. And uh, uh, Kaim Caesar was in there, and he made a, made a couple plays in the second half. One, a, I believe, a QH, and the other, a pass defense. Um, which were at least some interior pass rush contribution. I believe in the entire second half, that's all the pass rush contribution they got, pressure or anything, any sort of pressure event from any defensive lineman. So that was something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, 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 and, he, and he did nice. Like he, he didn't get penetration on the pass rush, but 
read the quarterback's eyes and got got his arms up and knocked down the pass. So that was it was that's always a good play. Um, and yeah, he he also stands out to me because he's a number sixty on the defensive line. I'm like, who? And I always look, who's that offensive lineman <laughs> on the D line? <laughs> this is a two way player of ours. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It is a weird number, but we're, we're seeing a few more 60s. The the team that seems to have a lot of oddball numbers, and by the way, this is becoming more and more prevalent with players getting to choose numbers under 10 and all this other stuff that's going on, but also the teams that have a lot of either retired numbers or numbers they really don't want to give out, even though you know they're, they're kind of legacy numbers that they only want going to a great player. Uh, like the Packers, I think, have some of that going on. Um, but But anyway... You know, now we've got Jadavian Clowney coming in and deciding he wants to wear number twenty-four for the Ravens as a as a outside linebacker. Right. Yeah. I didn't know that was legal, but apparently it is. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's crazy. Like, all, you know, we, we're so used to you know certain positions being in in a certain number group. It, it it's going to take a while to see all these new numbers all over the place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, let's uh, let's move on and talk about some outside linebacker play in this game because I think there were some interesting things going on. But get, lead us off again with uh, with the outside linebacker you want to talk about. Sure. Um, so I talk about uh, Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah Moon. Um, he had a sack. Um, he went unblocked. It was a simulated pressure, and um, the offensive line got confused, and he went in untouched and uh, got the sack. It, you know, it would have been a great play if he had, was able to get the ball out on that. But you know, just getting him down on the ground and getting a sack is obviously a good play. Um, but another thing, I, uh, you know, he also had another um, rush where he got pressure but couldn't quite get the the um, get from down on a on a mm-hmm. pressure. Um, but what he had a heck of a block on a uh, on. Uh, Keaton Mitchell's kick return, he had a decleater block um, in the third quarter. And I saw that block and I saw that play and I was like, those are the type of plays that get you on on the roster when, you know, when the odds are against you, because it, it, it was a heck of a block and it, it enabled Mitchell to get a couple, a few more yards um, on his return. And yeah, it's, those are the plays when you know when you when you're low on the totem pole that can get you onto the roster. Seems like Moon has also been around for quite some time. Like Nichols, he's a he's a one. He's not an R, but he's a one, and so he'd be hanging around for four years potentially if the Ravens you know find gold uh, uh, with him. I, I liked what he did. I thought, interestingly enough, that the unblocked play you're talking about, he, he rushed off the offensive left side. So he's he's outside the left tackle, left tackle blocked inside on that play. What happened as far as I, I, I saw it, as I recall it, let's put it that way, is Simpson lined up almost directly behind Moon. And the guard took the defensive tackle. And I think the Ravens may have instigated that. And meaning that they tried to cross the face of that guard. And then the the Simpson kind of ran into that B gap, and the the rule is, of course, as an offensive lineman, you take the inside guy. Yeah, right. and and then I think Simpson ended up dropping back on that play, which left um, Moon completely uncovered, to, and and the tackle just wasn't able to get over get over fast enough. Yeah. 
Okay, I I, I didn't even so, see that he did that. It? I thought he was was in there, but it doesn't matter. It, Moon, it, okay. it got Moon clear of Lucas. Cornelius Lucas right. was the guy uh, mm-hmm. to to make that sack. Anyway, very it's it's nice to see that, and I don't know who to credit the most for that, but I think the positioning on that play is probably McDonald and how they scheme that up to confuse. But you mentioned a failure on the offensive line. Is that they should have identified the mic differently, but the middle of their protection had to be differently identified in order to recognize what was going on with Simpson? Or how would they call that on the offensive line? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. Like, I think it, because it did look like Simpson was rushing in. So the offensive tackle just took him instead of and, and let Moon go. Um, I think I think you just credit that to you know a good defensive call and and good disguise by the Ravens. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, fair enough. So you brought up Jeremiah Moon. I'll talk about David Ajabo. Um, I played the first two drives. It was only 15 snaps. He did have a drive-ending bull rush pressure against uh, Lucas. That was a Q1 404. He was not on the defensive stat sheet otherwise, but I'll, I will say this, that he also didn't lose containment on that edge the way he did three times the previous week. So it, it was nice to see him kind of clean up his game on the little bit. But there is a balance he needs to strike, which gives him a more violent, hand-based pass rush, probably also kind of move-based, because he really is a double-move kind of guy, and you know, an athlete, a uh, uh, who who wants to make that tackle overreact, but he's got to have something that that ba- that can can optimize both, still holding on to that edge and getting a little better pass rush than he did in this game. So, I, I, he's, it wasn't a terrible game. It wasn't the worst, you know, by any stretch that that uh, uh, you know I, I've seen. I just I, I want to see a, a more a better spot on the efficient frontier of rushing the passer and uh, maintaining the edge. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree. Yeah, he's, you know, he's still young. Um, I think, you know, maybe we can, maybe we should temper expectations about him being a, you know, 10, 12 sack guy. I, I'm not sure. He, he's, he's got to learn and, it, and he's, you know, he, he's still developing his past moves, even, even though he's, he, he's adjusting to the NFL level, I'd say. All right, your turn. Who do you want to talk about? Anybody else at outside linebacker? Sure. Um, so let's, let me see here. Uh, Tavius Robinson, um, I'd, I'd really just say he was pretty quiet all day. Um, he had a he had a decent rush to um, flush out Brissett on a, on a pass play, but other than that, he was just pretty quiet. Um, he's... He need he looks like he needs time to develop. He's 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 a little stiff in the in the hips, and he's a little uh, he he doesn't have that pass rush plan yet. And it's it's something you can see he's 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 not really ready to play um, a lot of a lot of snaps um, this first year. Now, my recollection of Tavius Robinson is he's an older player, and I actually have to look this up because I don't remember what his actual birthday is. Maybe I have it on this sheet. Yeah, I have his age on here. And he's 24 years old already. I don't have his birthday here, but he's 24 years old already. 
he should have his grown man strength at this point. And, and it doesn't mean you can't get a little stronger when you're around an NFL weight room and when you're around non-college um, players to force you to sharpen your 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 weight against uh, your, your strength against them. But uh, you know he sh- he should be, I would think, benefiting from that. I'm seeing a situational pass rusher only in terms of what we did. It's, he's he he again is going to have a hard time finding that same spot on the efficient frontier to play on early downs. I think we're a couple of years away from that. Uh, in his case, I wouldn't. I, I hate to, you know, stretch out somebody's development goals so long. In this case, but he pretty much looks like a pure situational pass rusher. I actually think he's going to have, with clowning on the roster, is going to have some difficulty getting activations on game day. Yeah, absolutely. I think so too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's see. You brought up Tavius. Let me bring up one more, and then we'll we'll move on from this group as well. I, Malik Ham, we have to talk about because. He's been one of the most exciting Ravens during the during the early part of uh, this preseason. He's getting a lot of snaps, and he made some plays again in this game. Um, he, he had a nice cleanup on um, uh, Robinson for RM two. Uh, he had a uh, bull of the right tackle that flushed Howell for a run on second and seventeen. That should have been good news. It didn't end up being because I think they got the. the the first down on the next play anyway, but he gave up an eight yard run um, there. Actually, no, screw that. He got, he, there was a defensive hold that washed that play out. So they ended up getting a first down on that play. And then he got the, he got the forced fumble, which was really nice. And it's just good to see second man of the ball skills in play uh, there. I don't want to harp too much on that. All players should be able to do it, but they really are. It's just not an every man thing. There are some players who just naturally are always going after the football and other players who don't think to do it. Will Anderson had one fumble forced in 34 career sacks. Something's yeah. wrong about the way he's thinking that led to that thing. It wasn't a matter of just, he got, wow, he got really unlucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Last thing about ham though. And this is the, this is the thing I was really excited about. So I, I didn't know how many plays he dropped in the first week, but I went back and I looked, and it was it was six of twenty-five times that he was asked to drop to coverage. And he's been playing mostly on that Sam side, where strong side means the tight end is on that side. I mean, most people know that, but we're saying every once in a while. And then um, five out of sixteen plays this week, so it's up from twenty-four to thirty-one percent. Not an astronomical leap. But there's choices being made there by the defensive coordinator in terms of how to deploy him on those plays. And by seeing him drop as often as he has to coverage, it leads me to believe they really are trying to d- decide, is this guy the Sam linebacker backup we need for Tyus Bowser? Yeah, I've, they're trying to find a role for him. Um, I mean, you know, some, some players just have that knack for, you know, getting the ball out you know, making plays and he's been that guy um, all preseason is, you know, he, he keeps making plays here and there. So they're trying to find a potential role for him on the team. And yeah, seeing how he do does on dropping back is, you know, a potential way for him to help. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that's been been brought up during this entire streak is that the Ravens make all these sorts of sacrifices to win the game and they care and they keep the good players in. They don't do anything. I mean, a lot of that's just crap from people who wouldn't have any idea even how the Ravens would go about that, much less explaining to you, you know, why it'd be true. But but in the case of Ham, there, there are developmental snaps being played here to have Ham drop to coverage. Now, it may be the best choice they have in the game, maybe, 
But I think more likely it's they're trying to see what he can do in coverage, take him a little bit out of his comfort zone. Sure, he didn't rush the passer a lot in college because none of these guys do. They're, they're always too valuable as pass rushers. And to see that, to see the Ravens actually, you know, investing snaps in that I think is is good. And and amazingly, you know, despite the fact he's dropped to coverage 11 times, they've never found him. They've never targeted him even during those plays. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. All right. Do you want to talk about who would you like to talk about? Maybe a, a corner next. I don't know uh, if we if we have that next on the list. But what do you think? Or you want to go to middle linebackers? Or? Sure. Sure. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Um, so talk about Trent Simpson's first time uh, we saw him this preseason. I think he entered like in the second quarter. Um, there wasn't a whole lot um, in the second and third quarter when he was playing. Um, not not too many splash plays, not too many tackles or anything. Then in the fourth quarter, it got pretty active for him. Um, he had a nice stop uh, for a one-yard gain. And then the very next play, he uh, missed a tackle, got a face mask, and guy scored a touchdown. Basically a trifecta of bad. What you don't want to happen. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but then um, – you know, on next series, he had a nice bull rush of the of the running back, knocked the running back on his butt, and got a sack, and you know, got the ball out, and you know, uh, the the ball squirts, you know, a, a, a couple of feet the other the other direction, and that's a fumble recovery, and that that ends the game right there. So, yeah. it's it's it, it was good to see him, you know, recover from a bad play and make a really nice play as well. I, I definitely some positive plays. One of the positive plays I had noted for him was that B gap blitz that forced Lucas to pick him up and allowed Moon to get the unblocked uh, S minus seven. If you want to go look at that play, Q two one twenty nine, folks. If you want to see that play and and what happened, because it's a it's a pretty nice piece of scheme from McDonald there, and uh, Simpson certainly played the part correctly. Um, anything else? You mentioned running over Patterson in in the backfield. I don't know who Patterson is. I don't know anything about him. I do. I do know who Rodriguez is who had the fumble because he was a guy I kind of like coming out of school. But I don't. I don't have any idea who Patterson is. And uh, the fact that he ran him over kind of late in the preseason game, I, I I can't take to mean too much, but still look pretty. Still look yeah, really pretty. Yeah. yeah. You want you want to make those plays, especially on a lesser player. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, now Simpson was a guy with a little bit of coverage chops coming out of school. Um, not perfect but he came from a safety background he should be a guy who who is one of the better coverage guys at inside linebacker you would think you know i would expect immediately with a safety background i'm thinking top 25 percent of the league maybe in terms of coverage ability at inside linebacker now not necessarily day one but but you know it could develop to that yes. mm-hmm. i saw him on the on the right sideline somebody i will say made a bad play so there were two underneath covered guys, and I think it might have been Caillou and him on a roll right. And it was towards the end of the game. It was the third and 11 play, Q4, 118. So quarterback is forced to roll right. The entire um, uh, offense then goes to their plan B rules where they run to the sideline and try and present targets at multiple levels to them. Okay, at least you know they have people who do that. And both Simpson and I think it was Kelly 
rushed up to cover the underneath route and let the tight end Hodges get behind them. Lucian was late getting over as well in terms of, of, of being there. Very fortunately, there was enough pressure that Fromm overthrew that pass because that would have, that would have put a dagger in the, in the streak right at that point. Right. Yeah. How much are you bothered by that? I, I don't even know whose responsibility because it kind of seems like Simpson should have underneath responsibility, if anything there. And that was probably Kelly's mistake. Yeah, uh, I, you would guess that it was probably Simpson that had the up coverage and uh, Kelly was supposed to be behind him. But it, it's hard to figure out you know, without knowing the play call. It's it's hard to figure out whose responsibility that is for sure. Yeah. All right. Anyway, interesting game from Simpson. Are you do, have we? I, I mean, I think we've seen enough flashes athletically. How comfortable would you be with him being on the field in 2023? Um, I, I like his athleticism, um, and he seems to be a good guy that, that can blitz the quarterback well. So if, if you can get him in situations where he can uh, shoot gaps and get inside to disrupt run plays um, or put pressure on the quarterback, uh, I think that that's a potential where – if, if you have to do something with Queen, if you have to potentially trade him or he gets hurt, um, that's a, I, I think he's a reasonable option. Um, and it can free you up to do other things with the defense um, as far as going into more dime or, you know, do, doing something like that. But, yeah, yeah. Um, nope. One of the things been talked about is, is there a role for Simpson on third down being like a second Patrick Queen somehow? And that's where I'm really having trouble envisioning that sort of a role. I think it's him or Queen because they, they have too much in the way of overlapping yeah. Yeah, skill set. Yeah, this overlapping skill set right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's either Queen or Simpson. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we'll uh, we'll see how that plays out. But but in all likelihood, Queen will find a new home after the season. One of many, many Ravens. It's really a nightmare to think how many they're going to lose all at once after this year with Kevin Zeitler and OBJ and and uh, Queen and a whole bunch of other people. Dobbins likely all leaving. Um, it's all it's it's really it's too many players even to take advantage of the compensatory draft pick formula the way the Ravens would normally hope to do it. Um, they won't have a lot of money to to sign people even losing all those players, and you know they'll maybe they can sign somebody somehow, but I think, you know, they're going to look for every single transaction is going to be looked at very tightly given just how poor the Ravens cap situation is over the next few years relative to every other team in the national football league. Yeah. They're going to be, I'm sure they're going to be looking to ways to pick up draft picks. They'll trade down in the draft, trade players, Mm -hmm. you know, get, get somewhere between 10 and 12 draft picks this year coming up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. So any compensatory picks don't come until 2025. They won't be 24 picks. So the Ravens won't, won't benefit from that right away. And, and uh, they would actually, you know, they might, I guess it's always possible they could trade some players at mid season who were in their final years. If they've decided this season isn't working out, we don't want to think that way. And yet there's always a possibility that that might happen. And, you know, a, a player like Dobbins or, or like Queen or others, um, Zeitler even, might be traded to some team that has a great need. Right. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, also potential, you know, Cleveland getting traded, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's, he played, I think he played a decent amount of right tackle. Um, mm-hmm. You know, these two preseason games, probably showing him the A could be a, you know, a, a guard tackle combo or something like that. That might be, you could get a third, fourth, well, maybe not. I'm being a little optimistic with the third, but maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe a fourth or fifth round pick for, you know, for Cleveland or something like that as well. Yeah, I think that might be a little optimistic too, but we don't have to we don't have to nitpick on that uh uh going down. I and I I like the guy. I mean, I think there's still potentially value for the Ravens to harvest if they keep him around and continue to coach him. There is a real problem in terms of roster space for the Ravens on offensive line because they have they're a fairly deep group, but more importantly than that, they've stayed healthy so far. So, you know, part of it is we don't have any idea because they're not allowing Ronnie Stanley basically to walk anywhere because he has to be wheeled around in a cart or something to, because he can't, you know, he can't play a competitive snap. I I don't mean to overdo that, but it is really something that Ronnie Stanley has been held out of. He may have been held out of every... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Single padded practice so far, but he didn't play in either of the joint practices and he hasn't played in either of the games. And I believe he's had vet days. He's had, he had a ton of vet days, first of all, overall, but I believe he's had vet days on all the padded practices as well. Yeah. It's not taking any chances, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I get it. Um, and but I will say the health of the offensive line so far. I mean that's a that's a good problem to have right there. Oh yeah, Hopefully yeah, big time. Yeah. I think they have a real good offensive line if they can stay healthy. Yeah, and and you know what? That's most teams. If you can if you can play your starting five and they can live the whole year, you know, be healthy the entire year, play every snap, you're gonna have one hell of a football team. You're gonna have one hell of an offensive line. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say yeah. in the case of most teams, and you really got to get down to the bottom, bottom feeders who don't have anybody they can even play a quarterback. If you could ensure that their their team is going to be healthy for the entire season, that team is going to compete for a Super Bowl because they they that so much of the NFL is driven by health right now. And it's nobody gets away unscathed by health for a full season. So, you know, two years ago's Detroit Lions probably would have you know, been a very competitive NFL team, playoff team anyway, if they'd been uh, healthy the entire year. Mm-hmm. All right. Do we have anybody else we want to talk about at inside linebacker? Maybe Ross, Josh Ross? Um, yeah. Um, he had a uh, nice tackle on a, um, on a, to stop the running backs, 
short on a third and six play. Um, he, he also had the rough play. He gave up the touchdown to Gibson in coverage. Uh, couldn't get through that rub, that rub route that they were running um, and uh, gave up the touchdown. Um, he's, you know, he, he's a solid contributor. Um, there's, you know, there's not many splash plays from him, but he's, you know, he's doing his job and, you know, there, there's some, you know, there's some value in, you know, being solid, but unspectacular sometimes. I, I, you know, what we have not seen as much this year from me, you mentioned getting, getting um, knocked off by the rub. The, what we haven't seen as much is some really good coverage snaps. Like we saw last preseason when he was one of the Ravens best players. I mean, he was, he was truly outstanding and made a bunch of plays. I would love to see, you know, more of him in a in a coverage role in these last couple preseason games. Um, but I, I, I'll have to even look what he's given up this preseason in terms of uh, uh, this is something now I need to know in terms of uh, coverage responsibilities. But uh, I saw him getting pushed around a little bit on the run, slip going into the backfield once. And I, this wasn't his best game, uh, but he still made some plays. And uh, hopefully he's a guy who can uh, uh, can help the team. Let's see. So in terms of coverage this year, just looking on PFF here, he was targeted six, seven times with six receptions in the second game, was not targeted in the first, even though he dropped a coverage eight times. So 23 coverage snaps in the second game. Looks like they were targeting him a little bit. So t- one touchdown, no interceptions, 124.1 quarterback rating against him in this game. So obviously – not the coverage game you can afford to have every week. Uh, hopefully, right. picks it up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We ready to move on? Yeah. You want to go to Let's defensive backs? Yeah. Sure. Who would you like to talk about? Yeah. Well, I just also wanted to – I saw this was an interesting stat here. So, um, the commanders completed uh, passes to 16 different receivers. Yeah. Uh, in the game Ravens had 16 total receptions in the game. (laughs) You know, when we noticed that is we're putting down the notes for the players and then we have to read it's, this is like a so stupid. I can't even say that we have to do this, but, but the notes are taken in shorthand, including the player numbers. And so we kept going back and having to retranslate these player numbers into names like T.E. Hodges or, or, or T.E. Turner or whatever it might be to, to do these notes that show up in my article. And I noticed it's just a new name every time. It's just all, all the way through the game. You know, they, they still, you know, they're in the fourth quarter late. And they still have a Tremaine to pull out on us. You know, he's getting a reception. So uh, an Allen. Right, exactly. you know, yeah. yeah, it was, a, it was yeah. A, a lot of weapons. And you could see how those cornerbacks would get tired. Right, exactly. Yeah, they're all with fresh legs, and you know we're, we're playing the same guys the whole game. Yeah, yeah. But um, I'll start with uh, Kevon Seymour. Um, didn't didn't play that much, but um, he had a really nice play on third and nine. Third and nine, it was a deep pass, and he did a really good job of getting his head around to knock it down and break up the ball. Um, if he doesn't get his head around, that's a 30 yard pass yeah. interference, yep. but yeah, but he got his head around and incomplete pass and got, gets him off the field for a punt. So that was a really nice play. 
Yeah, I, I really like that. He was in coverage of Turner on that 16-yard conversion on third and 15. To me, the ball was just thrown too perfectly. The amount of time that he had, it was four-plus seconds to throw. This goes for a lot of the defensive backs with the pass rush giving up you know, so much ample time and space. And it's not even just that because ample time and space for me is a three-second pocket. And for, for, for a lot of other groups, PFF is most notably, it's a two-and-a-half-second pocket. But for, for a three-second pocket is still not as bad as a four or five second pocket, it's like exponentially worse to give up a pocket mm-hmm. for you know a, a play of that long. And the Ravens had a bunch of fours and fives in this game where they yes. just could not get home even in that time. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, when you give that much time and and you allow the quarterback to step into his throw and not, oh yeah, you know, it's it, you're 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 asking for trouble every time. So yeah. That's it. By the way, that's the key aspect of ample time and space is it's not just the time, it's the space to step into that throw in a 30 degree unobstructed arc either direction. So, uh, yeah, that's a that's a, uh, a a great point there. I thought Seymour played played good. I, you know, 23 snaps for him and Stevens. They look like they're getting wrapped. And I think we talked about it in the first show a little bit that these are the guys they're depending on maybe to start the season as cornerbacks one and two or two and three. And yeah. even as the season goes on, to be on the totem pole. Yeah. Hopefully it's not one and two. Hopefully it's, you know, two, two and three. Yeah. At least Yasin or, you know, Darby or, or both can be ready week one. But yeah. 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 And then you still wouldn't have him in the slot because Ardarius, you would give the slot job, right? Yes. Yeah. I'd like to see Ardarius in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I guess we t- we've hit on Stevens. How about we talk about Ardarius next? Because two very nice games in a row here. He is really playing it up. Uh, he was simply outstanding in this one. It, it made it three separate passes defense. The last pass defense he had where he's on the ground and he yes. slapped the ball free at, at right a, hand. Wild, yeah, at the last second. That was, that was an incredible – yeah, not – Class breakup. I mean, yeah, he 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 was parallel to the ground, and he manages to just get his fingers just on that ball, just enough to knock it out. That was a that was a heck of a play and heck of an effort play. Because mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and then but after yeah, yeah he, after that, he still got up, even though he might have been hurt. Yeah. Or I guess well, hopefully we've got good news on that. And he ran after the receiver and tackled him and, and tackled him just to make sure. Yeah, because yeah. he didn't blow the whistle. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a good heads up play, even though he was hurt. Yeah, it was that was a heck of a play right there. It really was. Yeah, but yeah, I, he had a he had a really good game. You know, he he uh you know two uh two pass breakups in the end zone. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, he played he played well. Had a uh, uh a nice okay. Here's the here's in addition to the pass breakups were terrific. He missed a sack, which was unfortunate. The second consecutive week, he's he's missed a tackle on a sack. Um, but the 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 play which kind of drew my eye a little bit. Q two one fifty five when they Antonio Gibson scored his touchdown, and so they scored those two consecutive touchdowns at the end of the half uh, to take a what seventeen to fourteen lead, I think. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the. On Gibson's touchdown, I think the play had already been, you know, signaled for a touchdown. And all of a sudden, the tackles, the right tackle Scott came in and just demolished 
Washington for playing. Cheap shot a second. And, you know, this is a guy who's already had problems with injury and and this. And what I thought was really great, and it gives me the good feeling about this guy as a complete warrior, he got up, he went right after a man who outweighs him by probably 125 pounds. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I saw it. Yeah. I I, I was glad he didn't get ejected because it almost looked like he might have thrown a punch. But, yeah, he... Yeah, he he went right back at him. So that was, yeah. Uh, you you like that feistiness. Yeah. It's kind of like mm-hmm. watching Ryan Jensen uh, go protect Joe Flacco by taking the head off. Who was it? Was it <laughs> Milano or somebody who was, was uh, mm-hmm. whoever the, the, the uh, inside linebacker there was for the Dolphins? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, great game for him. Um I to, to my way, I mean, it's almost a last man standing at this situation. But if you look at what's happened – Mullet's been out for a large portion of camp, and I don't see him playing the slot when he gets back without a live fire and real trust building in practice. And I, I don't, I don't think he possibly can get there at this point, based on where he is. Mm-hmm. You have Stevens drafted for outside corner duty, where you know I thought that was a reasonable place to keep him anyway. But yes, he's he's drafted back mm-hmm. to his position of greatest value. You have, of course, the injury to Pepe which is uh, going to keep him out at least for a while, uh, probably will necessitate the use of one handshake deal if they want to get him onto the roster, by the way. So they will have to right. utilize one of their, um, not only one of their designated to return spots, you have eight of those, but a, a, one of their like 54th through 57th uh, magical mystery spots that they have from, from uh, uh, the handshake deals. Right. Yeah, Exactly. So uh, and and you're left with Ardarius Washington, who might have been the most reasonable choice originally, but was a forgotten man at camp. I mean, he wasn't getting many reps at all. Is now the obvious choice at slot corner. Yeah, yeah, he he's really played well, and he's played his way up. That's you know sometimes it's injuries that you know allow you to get your opportunity, and he's he's taken advantage of it. So good for him to do that. All right, outstanding. Who's your next guy? Um, so we can talk, I guess we can talk about Caillou Blue Kelly. Um, he's, um, unfortunately, he's just not ready to play meaning, mean, meaningful snaps yet. Um, first half was really rough for him. Um, yeah, the holding penalty on, on a second 17 to give them a first down. Um, Dotson gets open by five yards and gets a seven, 17 yard play against him. He gives up a 20 yard play down the sideline on an extended play. And he, he also gave up the, the touchdown pass to uh, Deami Brown, who mm-hmm. made a really nice, uh, nice play to get that touchdown. But you know, he, you know, he, he really struggled in that first half. Um, second half was a little bit better, but not, you know, still, still not up, up to task, but it, he did make a really nice tackle on that uh, two point conversion to keep them out of the end zone and you know, take something positive away from a poor game. That's, you know, that, that's what you got right there. Hey, that's fair enough. That, that throw, um, the, the failure on that play is, is largely the quarterback's fault. If he leads the receiver on that play, instead of throwing the ball behind him, then Arma's turned up field and there ain't no way in hell that Kelly is going to stop him with his, with his weight turned properly, but the ball is a little bit behind him 
And that obviously made it more difficult. It's kind of retracking a ball carrier with a missed tackle. Uh, that was really what made the play for, for Kelly, but terrific job still taking him down. I thought the same of Ardarius Washington on one of the other third down stops where he left the player short by a yard. Uh, very similar in terms of uh, got helped a little bit by where the ball was thrown and not allowing the receiver to, to get the right turn up field that, uh, that he would have liked to have. Mm-hmm. I, I'm with you on the Kelly situation. I think I have one other, maybe, maybe it's two other issues and maybe it's one, but Kelly is getting extremely lost at the point of break. So it seems like one of the things that I wasn't really down on him in the draft for was that I thought he had a pretty good mirror at the top of the route. And I'm just not seeing that right now at the pro level. There, there's, it's too easy for pro receivers to decelerate for him to not notice it and then get lost on a, any kind of comeback or dig or whatever it might be that would, that would bring him back towards the line of scrimmage. Um, there's one other problem. And then I want you, I kind of want to give you a chance to respond to both of these is that it almost seemed like on some of these plays where it was taking four and five seconds that Kelly was, I don't want to say giving up on the play, but it's almost like he was anticipating the play being over and was not continuing at high motor effort. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know if, if it's effort or, I've, I, you you see him out there, and he's just he's just lost out there. I think um, he's he's wide eyed. There there was that one play. I think he he got um he got a holding penalty or something, and his he he just panicked because and and there was there, there was really no need to, and he panicked and he and he held the receiver um, on the play. He. He's not playing with any confidence, I don't think. And, you know, that lack of confidence is making him think and making him being a tick slower than what he could actually play if he was playing more, you know, in a more natural state. How, how do you deal with his roster spot? You know, those, those pesky hangnails can last six weeks and, you know, put you on IR. So I think that's where he might be. Is he, is he a player you use one of your spots from 54 to 57 on to keep available for later in the season and hope he develops, can't develop while you've got him on IR, by the way, because he has to wait until I think three weeks before he gets activated again to, to start practicing, if I recall the rules correctly. So he, if, he's, if he's on IR... The issue is he loses the season developmentally. If he goes to the practice squad, you probably lose him entirely if if somebody else takes a chance on him. Right. Now, yeah. I actually think the chance if you put him on the practice squad right now, it's not a particularly high chance that you lose him because of how poorly he's played this preseason. So there'll be six teams out there who said, you know what? That Caillou Blue Kelly was somebody I really loved. And those Ravens, they cut him. Um, but they're also going to say, those Ravens, they cut him and they have nobody at cornerback. And mm-hmm. those Ravens, uh, you know, they've got to, it's got to be a, an exacta to basically somebody has to figure out that Kelly is the guy they want and that they can fix him 
because they liked him so much in the draft that they really want to take a chance on him. And then when they do take him, you know, he goes to their active roster. Now it could be that the Ravens try and put him in the practice squad. And Kelly says, let me see what other practice squad offers there are. Right. So that could happen, but yeah. I mean, it's, I, it's, it's pretty rare usually for a Raven, for the Ravens to cut any draft pick um, in their rookie year. Um, I do. I, I don't know how many times it's often how often it's happened, but I'd have to guess it's probably one hand that they've that they've ever cut a rookie in in their first year. So, you're, t- you're talking I mean, about now a fifth round pick or, or any round pick because they've cut they've definitely got some rookies in their rookie year. Well, we go back. Yeah, yeah, like fifth round or higher. Like yeah, like sixth and seventh or you know those are kind of fifty fifty shots, but you know fifth, fifth round picks or, you know, anything higher than that. Okay. And I I couldn't tell you about these guys. I know who who's not playing in the NFL anymore, but I think that, um, Dave, Daylon Mack, I believe never played on the team. Jaleel Scott did. I can't remember if Jordan Lasley ever played on the team. Uh, you know, people like Nico Siragusa got injured for a whole year. You're not talking about them. Um, but, but, you know, there, there have been a few snacks. Myers was a fifth round pick. So that was a guy they they really liked at one time. Chris Barnes, I think, was also like a fifth round pick, and they they ended up cutting him too. So uh, it it has happened. I've just I'm I'm uh, yeah I I I think I think they're in they're in a difficult position with Kelly. I mean, they they really have to decide: yeah. do we just cut this guy, or do we try and put him on IR and hope we can we can get him fixed? Um, they could put him on a season-ending IR. That would be another possibility. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of money. It's, it's not a lot of money, but it's a, an investment to get that player into year two. And and clock is running uh, as mm-hmm. it happens. So it's a very tough decision in terms of, of what might be the best call with him. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But, yeah. Hopefully we don't see him on the field this year <laughs> for, for any reason. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I do want to get to Tay Hayes, but I think we probably got to rip off the band here, here and talk a little bit about Corey Mayfield. Uh, he was a guy who had looked pretty good, by the way, in camp. Had in the nine on the nine interception day, he had two of them. And yeah, there were some flotation devices that were being thrown up, and but Mayfield had been in position to to make two of those plays. I wouldn't say he's looked terrible in terms of really getting beaten consistently in camp, and honestly, he got a pretty high starting position in this game to be the second on with Kelly after the initial guys came off. So he was in, in the game ahead of Tay Hayes in terms of when they brought him in, they stayed in the rest of the game uh, at corner and uh, he couldn't have been much worse. It couldn't have gone much worse for him. You know, had a huge DPI passes given up. He had three penalties in the game, right? That was the, that yeah, was the total. Penalties. Yeah, he had a yeah. legal contact. He got the personal foul on the cheap shot with that with on, on with our Darius. He got the other personal foul, and he, yeah, he had the uh, the PI in the two minute drill. Yeah, yeah so, so that's, obviously that was one. That's the worst thing. Yeah, that's the worst thing you could do for you know an undrafted guy like that. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's unfortunate, but you know, one of the one of the things I was talking about at the beginning of camp was how the hell are the Ravens going to sort through all of this talent 
that you don't know whether it's three, four, five on the roster to find who might be good. And that's when they had Trayvon Mullen and, you know, they probably had eight or nine names that they're starting with. And they're literally have gone through almost every single one of them. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's disappointing. It's, it's, it's really concerning to go have this many injuries, you know, go through, through the position this, this early. Um, Yeah. Do you keep Mayfield around for this Saturday game to get him some snaps, see if anything can work out for him? You certainly hope he doesn't get injured in a game like this, but you don't you hope nobody gets injured. It, it's a you know, it's a it's a risk you take with anybody who's out there. But um do you keep him around, hope give him the chance for somebody else to claim him, give him a chance to play a little better, see if maybe you he reverses his fortunes and is somebody you want on the practice squad? But it's tough. Yeah, I think you probably keep him on the roster and and, and play him, and you know, just hope he doesn't get hurt. Or probably at some point, maybe you take him off the field altogether because you know he he's and getting hurt and having to pay any kind of settlement to him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, tough tough decision. Tough decision. All right. Well, we've talked just about all the positions, but how about we? Oh, well, you need to talk about Tay Hayes because he had a great game. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, you know, he had the diving interception at the, uh, against um, Brissett and really nice tack, really nice, you know, diving and holding on to the ball and, uh, you know, was good in coverage. Um, they didn't, they didn't attack him very much at, at all. And, he just he he was you know that quiet that quiet player right there. I think we might have mentioned in the first show the only other time he was targeted besides the interception, which is really a question as to whether he was targeted or not because the ball you know went past you know was behind the receiver and he was actually in the back end of a zone coverage and came up and made that play nice loose bracket there, reading the quarterback, found the football all the all the nice things you want to see when you're playing zone defense. He's really deriving the benefit from it. But the other plan they play was is to a running back Williams, and he took him down for a loss of one. So, two throws, one interception, one for one tackle for loss is is pretty much <laughs> the cycle. Great of, game. Uh, Great game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All, and, all we need uh, is a touchdown in there somewhere. Yeah, that's that's all they needed. There's another nice play made on the final drive with about 40 seconds left. He had that step for step coverage of Tinsley down the right sideline. It's about a 30 yard throw. He was right there with him. And uh, the ball was overthrown. Yeah, I think a lot of fans maybe don't understand that the that the or maybe think that the cornerback didn't do anything on that play because the ball was overthrown. No, no, it's there's a chicken egg relationship there. The quarterback knows where that corner is. He's trying to avoid an interception at all costs, so he's th- he wants to throw the ball to a spot where only his guy could possibly get it, which tends to lead to a much higher percentage of overthrows. Mm-hmm. All right, we've gone through all the cornerbacks. How about any safeties in this game? Let's let's. I don't think we have to talk about Stone or Worley. Just in the interest of time, Worley a great game last week. Early out this week, Stone same thing. They seem to be protecting two guys who are who I believe now it's pretty clear they want Worley on the roster. Yeah, absolutely. After that game, and you know, yeah, I think he 
you know, provides plenty of depth at safety and can, yeah, can can make can make some plays, and that's what you want to see. Yeah. Would he be also a guy on an emergency basis, at least, that you could put back at outside corner if you had to? If, if you had to, but yeah, that's an, an emergency, big time. So yeah, uh, yeah. We, we don't want to see we don't want to see him there. We want to see him at safety. Yeah, even though the last time he played outside corner, he played pretty well in that Week 18 game against Cincinnati. That's fair to say, and and uh, I think he was targeted 10 times for 52 yards in that game, if I recall correctly. So it's a really low yards per target number. Um, it's not always going to work out that well, but that was a nice a nice situation for him. So uh, it, it was good to see. I just think he's he's proven himself in this preseason certainly not to be a great tackler because he's missed some tackles, including you know one of a sack that he ended up getting a sack anyway, but the but the, he, what he's done more than anything to me is identify where he needs to be on the football field, which is exactly what a safety's responsibility is. No, read that quarterback, figure out where the ball is going, and get there. And he just did that over and over again uh, in that first game. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting to see. Exciting to see. Yeah. Solid. You need those solid veterans sometimes. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the other two guys here. Because Stone, there's no doubt about his position on this roster and the backup free safety that he is. But but how about um, Houston Carson and Jeremy Lucian? And they finished the game. Lucian was playing a lot of free safety, a lot of single high left up top. Uh, Houston Carson was doing a little more floating around the field. And, and Lucian did too. Lucian came up the line of scrimmage. He blitzed several times in the last few plays, including a quarterback hit. But um, talk a little bit about about what you'd like to see from these guys who I think each of them is going to get a pretty significant amount of play in that third game in that. Yeah. The next game. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Lucy and he led the, led the team in tackles and he had a nice pass breakup in fourth quarter. Um, I think you're probably going to give these guys an opportunity to, to fight for that last, uh, safety position or, corner project position on on the roster or you know be one of your top uh practice practice squad guys um and it, it, here's a question for you that i've been kind of thinking about all the position flexibility that uh hamilton and washington and even Worley bring is do you think that helps their chances or hurts their chances that you know so many guys can kind of move from safety to corner Okay. Now it's an interesting question. I think the Ravens, first of all, it wouldn't be the first thing they'd value because of the flexibility of Hamilton. And, uh, and let's say the flexibility of Hamilton are Darius because they're roster locks. Both of them are roster locks. So once you have those two guys on the roster, does the third guy's versatility really count as much as it would if he were the most versatile defensive back on the roster? I think the answer is clearly no. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if you, if on the other hand, um, you're trying to say, do the Ravens generally value uh, versatility? Absolutely. I think we've seen that with any number of players. I think, you know, you look at the special teams guys who've lasted for seemingly decades with the team and Albert McClellan, Anthony Levine come to mind as two guys. McClellan could play almost anywhere you needed him on defense. He started a game at defensive end for the Ravens at one point when Suggs was out. He played outside linebacker. He played inside linebacker. And uh, he could even be on the field on third down and not kill you. But then he, he was an incredible kick coverage machine. So 
Uh, Ross Berg spoke with him in the highest terms when he was here. So they, they, they valued him. Obviously, Anthony Levine, the special teams captain, brilliant on the field at figuring out what the opposing team is trying to do as the play is going off and being able to put that, put something into action. They've had other players, LJ Fort and whatnot, and meet that. But the Ravens value versatile defenders who Levine insert, absolutely was in terms of safety. He could play any of three spots. He played slot corner and in emergencies, and it was probably even worse than a Daryl Worley emergency. He actually played outside corner for the Ravens. Uh, you know, they, they really value that. I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, you, you want to have as many of those guys as possible and it may not be for this year that that versatility is necessarily valuable. So Daryl Worley, he's an eighth year player. I don't know how much longer he's going to be in the league. Um, but a, a player who's in an early year and has that versatility, like a Stevens or a, um, I think of another player who might be, I mean, it might be Jeremy Lucian because he's a first year player and he can, he, he looks like he really wants to play safety right now. He sounds like he really wants to play safety. seems like his mind works like he wants to play safety, but his experience is all at corner. And I think the Ravens could find value in that, but I guess to answer your question in a roundabout way, I think they value the service time component more uh, in terms of understanding what the option value is for that player. Okay. All right. Fair yeah. enough. All right. Uh, any anything to say about Carson Houston or Lucien in terms of their play in this game, or that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, um, you know, Houston Carson had the uh, had the nice fumble recovery, and you know, he 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 played he played solid as well. So yeah, it'll, it'll be an interesting fight between him and uh, Lucien to see, you know, who maybe makes this roster and you know, or who maybe is on the practice squad. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you only have one practice squad spot, you definitely if you if you hold on to a player like Houston Carson, I got to say that correct because I've already messed it up once on the show. Um, if you hold on to Houston Carson, he's a seasoned product that another team is going to know they can bring in. He's a guy with almost two thousand, I think it's eighteen hundred and fifteen special team snaps in his NFL career and a thousand on defense. And those guys who can do both of those, they they they're, they don't grow on trees. You you. You, you 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 have value if you're if you're picking up a guy like that. So I think he'd be taken more than likely in, in a case like Lucian. If he's more a developmental project, you really want to take up a, a roster spot with him. If you're another team, such that the Ravens have to worry about carrying him on the practice squad, I think the answer might be no. And uh, uh, Jeremy made the good point to me today that. Um, if he goes to the practice squad, what he knows it'll do for him is to be able to develop for a year as a safety, a position that's completely new to him over the last several weeks. So I thought that was a very mature response to that. And it could very well be the way it ends up is that is that he ends up on the practice squad and uh, and gets a lot of practice reps this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All righty. Uh, I guess. Oh, I know. We want to do MVPs. Do you have a, a three to one MVP list ready to go? If you didn't yeah, prepare sure. one. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you go ahead. You're the guest. Who's your number three guy? Name him first. I, I had uh, Jeremiah Moon. He had the he had the sack. Um, and again, he had that big block on on the kick return. And that's that's what you want to see. It you know making he's making an impact with the sack he also had another pressure thought he was one that 
that stood out a little bit on the defense. You know, that's a that's a great point. And I included some guys who didn't have as good a game as him, but he definitely as an honorable mention, he definitely deserves honorable mention for me. I didn't have him in my top three, but uh but I understand that that, that that's a good that's a really good pick. My number three guy, Travis Jones. We talked about him extensively at the beginning of this episode, but I'm just so excited for what the season could bring and how McDonald really has a chess piece with him as well as he does with Hamilton that he can really alter the scheme he wants to play. And that's that's very much not typically determined by the results of a preseason game. Very little is determined about scheme. You don't ever really show it other than, you know, you might show some pass rush differences, but you're, you're playing packages that are very basic. Uh, and and in, in the case of Travis Jones, I think, you know, we've got that one, three possibility is, is very real. And I think just finding him ways to manufacture single, you know, one-on-one opportunities for him is going to be a fun thing for McDonald to, to plan each week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was actually my number one because I thought he was just so disruptive uh, in that first half against the first team. He, you know, I mean, he, he even had the tip pass that ended up getting caught, but um, mm-hmm. he, drawing a holding penalty, you know, it's the second best thing a defensive lineman could do other than getting a sack he, and him getting a sack. It's yeah, he, he was, he was pretty dominant that first half. So he, are, he, that was my number one. Aren't you kind of annoyed by this as an ex-defensive lineman? I'm guessing I know the answer to this question, but aren't you kind of annoyed by this when they tell you who the offensive lineman is who, who, who did the whole, but they don't tell you who the defender is who, who generated it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always, you know, one of those things it, the, on the flip side, like, Tory Tory Smith was always really great at drawing defensive mm-hmm. uh, DPIs all the mm-hmm. time, and it's he should almost get credited for all the yards that he generated on those penalties. You know, it didn't show up in the statistics, but some people certainly credit him with that. In fact, they what they what they often said is all Flacco knows how to do, all Flacco knows how to do is throw <laughs> up a ball and hope for hope the Ra- Ravens get their typical number of pass interference calls. You know, has nothing to do with Torrey Smith being faster than all defensive backs in the league and all the ankle biting right. that they would do to try and slow him down. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, we're up to your number two guy. Um, I had our Darius Washington. Um, it was it was tight between him and Travis, but um, our Darius was number two. You, just you, you, you see him developing. I think he you know, he's a really good slot option. You know, pass breakups, good tackles, just all around really good play, you know, for the entire game. So, yeah. And Ardarius is, is my number one uh, uh, outstanding game. And, and the things he did in this game so secured his position on the roster, I think. And it's a couple, couple decisions were made in this game about who's ahead of who. And one was on the offensive line where I think the decision is now made absolutely without question at left guard. And I'm going to get into that a little more on the offensive show, but the, with regard to the, uh, uh, you know, to the, to the slot corner position, he's not only last man standing, he's best man standing of the group. Mm-hmm. So I think, I don't think there's any question if Pepe had been, had been active. It, the, the question they should be asking now is how do we let Pepe down easily and try and figure out how he fits on the roster as a backup slot, or if he's got to play some safety or whatever the other you know component of that might be, because uh, Ardarius just played at a higher level this preseason than we've seen from Pepe before. Right. Yeah. 
Okay, so I got one. We got one left. He, Arderis is my number one, so my number two is the only one left, and that's Tay Hayes, who had mm-hmm. not tested often. As as you mentioned, they were they were going after they went after a lot of people, including Lucian and some a couple of consecutive three by ones where they put a tight end on the right side and three wide receivers on the left side to get all the cornerbacks on that side of the field. Mm-hmm. And so they, they tried to go after him with with uh, with Hodges, but I thought that that Tay Hayes they didn't want any part of him in this game. And that says a lot uh, for a guy the Ravens just picked up off waivers. So hopefully this is another case where it's an Orioles like Elias era Orioles. Sorry, let me be clear about that. Um, <laughs> a situation where they're picking up a value of value proposition off waivers uh, from another mm-hmm. team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He was my honorable, he was in my honorable pension. So yeah. yeah, very nice interception. Yep. All right. Well, Brandon, thanks for taking all this time to talk football with me. Always love, chopping it up with you and your experience and, and your background are always a pleasure to, to uh, you know, dissect how you think about things. And, and uh, I do always really appreciate that. Tell folks where they can talk football with you online. Yeah. Um, you can catch me on Twitter at uh, Brandon Croxton five and I uh, love to love to talk football. Um, I'll be there that first uh, weekend against the Texans. So, yep. All right. Fantastic. Other folks out there, I want to meet you if you want to do a film study short. So hit me up with a DM on Twitter with your kernel of an idea of the show. It doesn't have to be fully developed, by the way. Don't feel like you have to be the smartest guy in the room, have it completely figured out before you come to me about a show idea. It could be a half-baked idea. And we'll we'll toss it back and forth a little bit and see if there's a show idea in there some way. One of the big problems I have is that people want to either you know paint the Mona Lisa or recite the Encyclopedia Britannica on the show with me. And that doesn't, that, that doesn't really fit in a, in the half hour format or even, even the 45 minute format. Uh, and, and I've had to break shows up four ways to do that. And sometimes that'll work, but you know, obviously if, if, if you come to me with a, with a real complex idea, we can shave it down or you can come to me with an idea that's not completely developed and we can work with it together and try and find out what that show idea is. Anyway, love to hear from you. DMs always open on Twitter. Brandon, thanks again for coming on. Thank you. It's always been fun. Yeah. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.